0: To those of you in this room and those of you joining us from home, welcome! So glad that you're here. Uh, have you heard of this thing called the lectionary? Kind of a churchy word. Tim has. One person has. The lectionary is a tool that churches all around the globe use, and basically, it's like a guide to a preaching calendar. If you follow the lectionary, you will cover the whole of uh, you know the whole of Scripture pretty much in three years. So uh, today's lectionary passages. Now I'm going to share with you in a moment. We just heard one of them, uh, but here's the challenge for the person who's giving the sermon. When you're following a lectionary, you're looking at these different passages, like one from the Old Testament, one from the Psalms, one from the Epistles, the letters that you know Paul wrote and different people wrote, and you know one from the Gospels, and you're looking at all of these, and you're asking, like, what's the common thread? What's the theme? And in the passages today, one of the themes, at least, seems to be a feeling of futility. Listen to these passages. First, we hear from Isaiah. Isaiah says, woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then later, Paul, the apostle, says this, I am the least of the apostles unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And then from what we just read in the gospel, Master, Peter says this to Jesus, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. You know, you've heard that phrase perhaps, an exercise in futility. Heard that phrase before? That feeling of futility. It's that feeling that we have in our human experience, like, nothing we do matters. Futility is kind of evidence when you ask that question sometimes, like, what is the point? It's the feeling of futility. I mean, imagine for a minute that there's a guy, Carl, he's in his, he's like a 60-something, recently retired, and he's saying, like, what has been the point of all of this? Built a career? acquired a bunch of properties, built a family. What has been the point of all of this? It's a feeling of futility. Like, does it even matter? Nothing seems to matter. Maybe you have felt this, that the message of all the people in these different scripture passages today is this feeling of futility. Like, what's the point? Or, I'm not good at this. Or, I don't think this is working, or I'm at the end of myself. There's an overwhelming sense in these texts of seriously being about to give up. And futility is probably a feeling that we can identify with, at least in some way, shape, or form at this juncture in history. You know, going into three years of a global pandemic, ever-growing cultural conflicts. Like many people are perilously close to giving up on people who they disagree with. We're starting to believe sometimes like change is not really possible. We're starting to believe our best efforts are kind of futile. And this is the situation in these scriptures. It's, it's all too often the situation in our lives as well. Futility is this dangerous state. It's, it's like this loss of hope, this loss of possibility, this, this loss of faith in a way. And it's also this invitation. And so we're going to look at that as well. And this is where in the gospel reading that Tim just read where Peter is at. So Peter, one morning early, he's been fishing out on the lake of Gennesaret. And he and his companions have been out all night long fishing. They have caught nothing have nothing to eat that day, they will have nothing to sell that day. And they're probably starting to, like, doubt themselves. Are we even good at this? Are we any good, are we even capable? Do we have any capability as fishermen anyway? And that's kind of what happens with futility, like it comes in and it becomes this rising tide where over time it's like we don't just doubt what we can do, we sort of start to doubt who we are. And then Jesus comes into the situation, and everything changes. This is what we read. When he had finished speaking, that was Jesus, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night long. We've caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Now, this is a story that is about more than just that idea of, if at first you don't succeed, just try, try again. (laughs) It's about much more than that. Like, one thing that Jesus says that kind of jumps off the page at me is just put out into the deep water. Maybe just let that kind of pierce your heart for a minute. Put out into the deep water. When we are feeling swamped with futility, when we are having that feeling, that experience, of like what is even the point? Does any of this even matter? Put out into the deep water. When people you love will just not see the point you want them to see. Put out deeper. When, When you are mad at everybody and everybody is mad at you, go deeper. Right there. Like when the task that is placed before you seems insurmountable what's the point the invitation of Jesus is go deeper when you feel like you're nothing but a failure nothing has nothing has you know you put forth your best efforts hear the voice of love through this text saying put out into deep water let down your nets In his most recent book called Hero on a Mission, Donald Miller is talking about how every good story has four different characters in it. You have the victim, the villain, the hero, and the guide. So the victim is the person who looks at the things in their life and blames people and circumstances for things in their life, the victim. And then the villain is the person who is, of course, trying to thwart others, trying to take others down. The hero is the person who has overcome some sort of an some adversity in their life. And then the guide is the person who has helped the hero to overcome those things. And it's interesting because he talks about how one of the main differences between a victim and a villain and a hero and a guide is this external external or internal locus of control right like the the victim and the villain and of course we all can be all these things at different moments right we're all subject to those moments where we're just thinking like a victim acting like a victim but but when y- when someone is in that place victim or villain what they're doing is they're blaming people they're blaming circumstances for what's happening in their life. The hero, the guide, knows their own agency. They are saying, like, there are things that I don't have control over, and there are things I do have control over, and I'm going to focus on the things today that I can do in this set of circumstances. I'm not going to blame. I'm not going to uh, you know, externally look elsewhere for these solutions. I'm going to say, what right here can I do today? In other words, they do what Jim Collins talked about long ago in his book on leadership when he talked about good to great leaders. Like he said, there's good leaders and then there's great leaders. He said, you know, good leaders, when they encounter problems, what they do is they walk over to the window and they say, well, external factors. So, you know, a good leader is basically going to go look out the window when there's problems. They're going to be like, well, because of the pandemic because of the economy, because of my incompetent staff, because of this, 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 this. But a really great leader, he said, the difference is a great leader does not go look out the window. A great leader, when they encounter problems, looks in the mirror. They say, what can I do to solve these problems? What's in my realm that I can do today to solve these problems? So in a story, it's the hero, it's the guide who recognizes no matter how bad a situation gets, they always have some level of agency. Like even if that agency is only in the way they view themselves and the people around them. So of course, the very <laughs> extreme and classic example that I often think of is just Viktor Frankl, right? I mean, that's a classic example. In his best-selling book, Man's Search for Meaning, he's talking about how he realized that even when he was in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany, like absolutely a victim, by everybody's definition, he didn't have to see himself as a victim. Like even right there, he he had agency to choose how he saw himself and ho- how he saw the people around him. No one could take that from him. Even if they killed him, they could not take his agency away from him. That's a hero. See, what happens with futility Is that we take a negative experience, a negative reality, and we make it our identity. And so Peter is not catching fish. That is true. That is real. That is the situation. It is a negative reality. But when feelings of futility set in, we start to say, like, it's not just like I'm not catching fish. Like, I'm not even a good fisherman. Like, what's even the point? Why do I even bother? Why even try? Futility makes you take a bad reality and turn it into an identity, but the invitation in futility is if we can pause, then we can say, just because I have experienced something bad, does not mean that I'm bad. It does not mean I need to now view myself as a victim. This reality does not need to become my identity because God is bigger than my experience. This is why we're so inspired by stories of people who have endured incredible things. I mean, you hear a story of someone who is, you know, a victim of human trafficking. And have they've not allowed that to become their identity, but have overcome and have begun helping people in that struggle. We don't sugarcoat the experience. We don't deny the experience. We don't slap a bunch of toxic positivity on the experience, on the reality. Injustice is a horrible evil. And yet... It does not have to define a person because there's something deeper about you than the negative things you've experienced. So when Jesus says, put out into the deep water, I wonder if he's saying to you, I wonder if he's saying to me, go deeper right where you are. When you feel futility setting in, and it's part of the human experience, we all have it. That's why you can trace all these people in scripture. You know, woe is me. I'm not worthy to be an apostle. Master, we've been fishing all night. It's a part of the human experience, but when you feel futility setting in, the invitation is to go deeper. Now, I know, like Viktor Frankl, kind of an extreme example, right? Probably no one in this room spent time in a concentration camp. So let me just go out on a wild limb here and say, maybe somebody here has experienced a strain in a relationship over what we're going to call the three Ps of the last few years. Perhaps somebody has experienced a strain in a relationship because of politics, pandemic, protests surrounding race in this country. So let's say you've experienced, uh, you know, actually, like, I think six in ten people have stopped talking to someone they love over these three P's, these big three P's. So uh, let's just say this is you. You have a brother who you used to be really close with, but because of politics, because of the pandemic, And your different views, maybe on vaccines, differences surrounding protests related to race, you're barely speaking. You're basically estranged. What does it mean to go deeper right there? Like where it's starting to feel like, what's the point? Why bother? Why even try? What does it mean to listen to the voice of love, the voice of God that would be like, go deeper, right there. What does that mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus, to put out into the deep? I wonder if it has something to do with getting our hearts into a place where we have gone beyond who is right and who is wrong. I wonder if it has something to do with getting to a place inside your heart, inside your mind, where you are no longer needing the other person to understand you and your point and the way you see everything. You know, you've let go. You've let go of your need to change them. You've decided you're never going to have control of them. And that the only control scripture ever speaks of is self-control anyway. In other words, you have moved your emphasis from an external locus of control, where you are fighting and arguing and reasoning and explaining yourself. You've changed from that, trying to get the other person to change, to an internal locus of control, where you realize you only have self-control. You only have control of yourself that maybe there is something bigger going on here than just the fight that you've been so focused on with whomever that may be, about whatever that may be about. I mean, what, what really is the difference between just beating our heads against the wall, like doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results? What's the difference between that and following the voice of Jesus into the deep? What's the difference? Two things maybe. First, Jesus asks us to return to the ground of our futility, that place of feeling stuck and sad, and right there to go deeper. To fish, if you will, like to fish beneath the same expectations, the same assumptions and habits and patterns that we've used before. Fish there. Ask harder questions there. Give ourselves and others, you know, more, more time, more commitment. We all love that passage in Ecclesiastes, "There's a time for everything under the sun. There's a time to embrace. There's a time to refrain from embracing. We don't, we don't think about that a lot. We don't highlight that a lot. But there's a time to refrain from embracing because it, it's a pause t- to go deeper. That maybe it's not just about this fight with this other person that you're in. Maybe there's something more going on. And then, you know, we can do something radically different than we've probably done before in the relationship. We can go there with Jesus. We can take Jesus with us. We can take with us the one who laid down all his rights and in total vulnerability served others. And that is what changes the disciples' actions from doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results into a sudden and bountiful harvest. I mean, it is like a total change from... Master, we've been fishing all night, we've caught nothing, to the boats are sinking and overflowing. When when Jesus is with us, I mean, with us in our minds, in our thoughts, in our process, in our conversations, in our discernment, in our priorities, a couple of things start to happen. I mean, first of all, we're empowered to go out in the deep. We're willing to take that risk and stretch ourselves and each other towards something new, something different. Not the same old, same old conversations we've been stuck in. And then we also can let down our nets, like, (sighs) let down our guard, actually find fish. Like what was once the site of futility actually becomes in the story. It becomes the place of abundance, sustenance, discovery, provision, And see, maybe you and that person, maybe you will never repair that relationship. Maybe the other person you're so focused on, maybe they will never change. Maybe the situation will never resolve, and you will grieve that. But maybe that is not what this is about. Maybe you felt betrayed. Maybe the other person felt hurt. And maybe the invitation is to be companioned by Jesus in him coming alongside and saying, I know what it's like to feel betrayed. I know what it's like to feel hurt by someone I love. Maybe this is not about that. Maybe it's about going deeper. There's this great poem by the great poet Rumi. I love Rumi. He once said this, Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. Sometimes we just haven't gone far enough. We're stuck in ideas of right doing and wrong doing. We're trying to control the other person, trying to get them to do what we think is best for them. And Jesus may be calling us deeper into a field that is beyond that control. It's beyond those divides where God is like, yeah, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you out there. Now, notice one more interesting detail in this gospel story. At the end of the fishing part of the story, we read this sentence. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. They began to sink? That does not sound very good for the fishing industry. The boat is beginning to sink. And notice just the significance of that in the context of the end of the story because this story, we probably should have said earlier, this story is Peter, James, and John's call to ministry. And Jesus is saying to them, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And when they brought the boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The boats, you guys, the boats are sinking. It's a picture of having to leave something behind. Like the boat was the fisherman's primary tool of the trade. That's what they needed is the economic engine of their lives. They needed that boat to feed themselves, to feed their families. But when Jesus showed up, it's like the, the bounty of his presence, the abundance of his presence that's brought into their lives completely overwhelmed their old worldview, their old places of security, their old tools, their old ways of living life. So like business as usual, doesn't apply anymore. It doesn't it doesn't make sense in light of Jesus's call on their lives. Following Jesus into deeper water means they're going to have to give up their most cherished places of security and certainty in order to find true security and true freedom in him. So it means that you know, in our lives it means that though it may be, I no longer see myself as a victim, even when my circumstances might make a case for me being one. It might have been my reality, but it is not my identity. I let that boat sink. It means that I no longer blame other people and factors for things in my life. It wasn't about, you know, it's not my absent mother's fault fault and my dysfunctional father's fault and my this and my that and it's not this I let that boat sink I've become internally fueled directed by God whose love for me knows no limits you know maybe I have failed big like I have let other people down I've hurt other people that too I let that boat sink because I've come to know I am forgiven and filled and guided by the risen Lord Jesus. I have nothing to hear, like nothing to fear. And, and with him, I'm, I'm fully known. I'm fully loved. There's no fear of rejection. There's nothing to lose. In him, I have all I need. So I live free and unafraid. So the passages today, I think they invite us to ask ourselves, where do I experience futility in my life. Where are you ready to kind of give up? Where have you lost hope? Where do you feel like a failure? And then listen to the call of Jesus put out into the deep water. Let down your nets for a catch. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. So I think the road, in a sense, from futility, to following Jesus, it's, it's, it's actually quite short. It's a quite little bit of a distance. It's just requiring us to say yes to the voice of love that is saying, let's go deeper right here. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the timeless way in which you keep speaking to us through it. And God, I I imagine all of us in this room and those joining online could probably think of somebody, could probably think of somebody, relationship that maybe we just want to take a moment to lift up to you right now. And so in this room or from home, if it would be meaningful to you right now in prayer before God, just say out loud the name of the person you want to lift up to God. God, grant us the serenity (laughs) to the things we cannot change and the courage to change the things that we can and give us the wisdom to know what the difference is. Help us to follow you deeper in the very places of futility, in the very relationships that feel strained in our lives today. We thank you for your power that with you, God, anything is possible. We thank you for your mercy. It's new every single morning. We thank you for your love, for your everlasting arms of love that uphold us in the nights when we cannot sleep and in the days when we ask what is the point. And God, renew in us a new vision, a new picture, a new hope, a new longing, a new desire for your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.